I think it's so easy for us to forget, even in our greatest moments on earth, how it's going to be nothing compared to what we are promised. In Amen. Well, that is David Murphy, former Texas Ranger. He is the guest on today's episode of The Walk. We'll get to him in just a second. But first, we want to thank our great sponsors. My name is Tom Sherman. I'm with Benchmark Mortgage here in Dallas. We're a large, privately held mortgage bank here in the Dallas area, actually licensed in about 40 states. And one of the things that makes Benchmark unique is that in a world that has really been disrupted with everything that's occurred in the financial industry in the last several years, Benchmark is a company that really focuses on the stewardship of the client. We want to make sure that we don't just help people get into a mortgage loan. We want to help them make sure that they get into the right mortgage loan that's that's really going to help them get to a better place financially and be better stewards of their resources. Right now, the mortgage market is very, it's very commoditized. The same products, the same rates, the very similar fees from one lender to the next. And what really separates us as a company is our focus on not just getting a loan, but helping the client get the right loan for their needs. Best way to reach me is uh, cell phone, 214-680-1166, or my email, which is tom.sherman at benchmark.us. My name's Dan Harker. I'm a part of the Harker Five Star Team. Uh, we're with Keller Williams Realty. We help families buy and sell homes. We help investors buy homes. We help people with new construction. We help people sell ranches. We help people buy ranches, not just residential. And we cover the North Dallas, Dallas County, Collin County, Tarrant County areas as a team. Uh, best way to get a hold of me is on my cell phone, which is 214-957-1111. Or on my email address, dan at danharker.com. Hey, this is Todd Metten with Wingstop. I am elated and excited to sponsor The Walk with Shivers and Frito. Bringing you the stories of athletes, celebrities, and everyday Christians doing extraordinary things. It's time for The Walk with Frito and Shivers. Thank you, Jessica. It is Frito here along with David Shivers and The Walk, this latest edition of The Walk. You know, this this podcast, David, we're trying to combine sports and faith. Yes, sir. I don't think we could have a better guest for this episode, for this podcast, in David Murphy. Now, David, Texas Rangers, ball player, Major League, how long was your career? It's about eight and a half years, over, over ten seasons. Okay, now one of the reasons I think David is a perfect guest for this, and in case my memory is wrong, you can correct me, but David got baptized on a Sunday morning at Prestonwood. Yep. I was there. And then later on in that day, it was one of the few games I was able to talk my wife into going to. We went to the Ranger game that Sherry same Friedman day. was there. Sherry Friedman was there. All right. And David Murphy, on the day he got baptized, hit a home run. That was a great and memorable day. Uh, I actually, Jack Graham, actually, he asked me to uh, speak with him at Preston Wood uh, one weekend during some services, and uh, I did that. And in between services, we would spend time in his office. And it is something; it was something that had been on my heart for a while because I was baptized as an infant. And uh, uh, it's kind of a, a whole other story, but I think, um, you know, I, I feared my mom over the Lord just because of, you know, her strong Catholic faith and... Um, you know, I was thinking if I do get baptized, even though I have come to Christ now, what what's that going to look like? So I was scared of my mom, and I I got to the point where I was like, man, I'm putting I'm putting the fear of my mom over the fear of the fear of the Lord, and so I knew it was time, and so I talked to Jack about that, uh, and I was about to leave for spring training, so I get back from spring training, it's opening weekend, it's Easter Sunday, he's like, 
how about how about on Sunday? I'll have the night game on ESPN. Come to church that morning and do it. I said, let's do it. Wow! And so uh, so it was a, a great moment that morning. It's giving uh, me goosebumps here, Frida. with my family there, and me too. Um, and uh, yeah, and then go to the ballpark that night. And sure enough, first at bat. Hit one in the upper deck, <laughs> and uh, that day that I'll never forget. So, you know, and that's the thing. that You can see where I was in my walk at that yeah. time because I remember David getting baptized. I remember the home run, but I do not remember it was Easter Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that even is kind of like a cherry on the top of the cake, that's cherry nice on the Sunday. Yeah. It's funny, too, when I share that story at times, uh, I have to kind of back that up with now – just because you become a believer or just because you get baptized, it doesn't mean that you're going to hit a home run in your life and whatever that may look like. But, uh, yeah, it was uh, just a good day for me. Now, we all know how baseball superstitions go. Did you start thinking about getting baptized every Sunday before a game? <laughs> I am. Uh, I think I, I was always anti-superstition. I just knew there was something wrong with it. And then once I grew in my faith, I'm like, man, the Lord is up there laughing at me, thinking that I'm going to have success by – putting this batting glove on first or you know having the same meal before a game so i think i got to the point pretty quickly in my career where uh i I ruled out any type of superstition amen that is great to hear because we know that our god is not a god of coincidence or superstition uh, that he is the sovereign creator God of the universe. I love uh, Isaiah 46, that he is God and there is no other, that he is the Lord and there's none like him, that he makes known the end from the beginning, from ancient times, what is still to come, and his purposes will prevail uh, okay, every I know time. I know that. Yeah. But, David, you're not going to tell me that when you're watching a Cowboy game, if they do something good and you're sitting in your lucky chair, you, you just completely you completely avoid all that. I do. I completely avoid all okay. of that. And and I can say it with all the confidence in my heart because I don't want my children because at the Shivers house, Cowboy games are their events. I mean, those are a big deal. My wife is a huge fan, and we pass that on to all of our children. And so I tell them all the time that our, there's no such thing as luck. And there is no such thing as um, our God is is in total and complete uh, control. That uh, coincidence and, and luck and happenstance that that our God is the one who commands our destiny. And so I I try to anytime they say something about that uh, luck or knocking on wood or doing I, I tell them that doesn't help. That that does nothing uh, to to further or or help or enhance your position or standing. So, yeah, it's it's something that somebody taught me along the way some 15 or 20 years ago in my walk. And I just started thinking, man, I want to make sure and pass that on to my children. So and I love what David said a moment ago just about uh, not being. uh, I love what David said a moment ago about uh, the fear of God over the fear of of his mother. And it just was reminded of a verse in, in Galatians chapter one, where where Paul is telling telling the church there at Galatia, they were dealing with a lot of the the man centered rules and regulations of Judaism. And he said in Galatians one ten one ten, am I now trying to win the approval of man or of God, or am I trying to please man? He says, if I were still trying to please man, I would not be a a servant of Christ. And so I think that's something that all of us as men and and many of our listeners. Uh, struggle with, and I know you talked about this one incident in relationship to your mom and your baptism, David. But is that something that still today, as you're transitioning from your playing career to the next stage of your life, that you deal with, and how do how do you handle that? Um, 
like you said, I think we, we all deal with it in our own ways. Um, you know, my mom and I, religion when we get together is not something that is a, a common discussion, but I think there is, uh, there's more respect for one another on both mm-hmm. sides. And, um, kind of like we've just been talking about, I mean, I think the way that you conduct yourself on an everyday basis says a lot about, um, I don't know what, where you are in your faith. Right. And, uh, so I, I don't think those, there are a lot of people, um, that you may not necessarily agree with in every part of their faith, but you try to, you try to get to that point of, of mutual respect and you try to carry out your life in such a way that, um, I don't know that they see that it. will have an impact on them. Absolutely. Uh, so it's, uh, I think, I think the, the peer pressure part of it and kind of what we were talking about, uh, not that, not that it doesn't impact me, but I think I, I've gotten to the point in my life and my faith where, where I'm secure enough to where it's, it's kind of a, a, a take it or leave it type of thing. You know, yeah. uh, my faith isn't something that is outside of who I am and, and what I do on the side. My faith is incorporated in, in who I am as a man. And so uh, if, if if I'm going to enter into a relationship or friendship with somebody, you are going to get that part of me with with that relationship. And by the way, it's a great part for them to get also. <laughs> Definitely. There's nothing wrong with that at all. I don't know if you ever remember seeing me in the clubhouses when I was covering the Rangers. I do not like clubhouses. I do not like locker rooms. I don't think media belongs in there. I think it's something that should be private to the players. But as I say that, a locker room and a clubhouse are the most fascinating places on the face of the earth for me psychologically because you got a group of people in there, young men that come from all different backgrounds, they have all different histories, they come from different cultures, and it can be really challenging to navigate that type of environment, especially if you're a man of faith. Did you face any challenges there there were challenges and and as i mentioned i mean it it was one thing as i as i grew in my faith and and got deeper into my career but there were um there were definite insecurities um you know for instance when i get traded over the rangers um because on one hand i was still young in my faith but i was in a place where i don't want to i didn't want to compromise my faith in in my actions um but at the same time, where is the happy medium? Because so much of being an athlete is being part of a team. And there are so many qualities and so many different aspects of being a good teammate. And, and you know, things like that do create a winning environment. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I have this opportunity finally to uh, to achieve my dream and, and be a full-time Major League Baseball player. So I'm going to do everything quote unquote everything that that I can uh to do that now what what does that look like so not that there weren't um challenging moments but I think the good thing is you know when you're married you you always have an excuse okay oh uh, no I got to go be with my wife uh, yeah. I got to do this I got to go do that um and yeah. I think guys will kind of get the picture pretty quickly on on what you're into and um if you're not 
you know, wanting to, to go out because, um, it's, it's a common thing. Guys, guys like to go out. Um, like you said, the, the clubhouse is an interesting environment. You have a lot of young people making a lot of money. Therefore there's a lot of success. And like I said, they, they do have a lot of money. And a lot of times when people have money, um, and it says right there in the Bible, faith, faith and money, or at least love of money don't necessarily mix. So um, it's hard to serve both masters, right? right. Yeah. So, so a lot of people, when, when you're doing well in life, you don't really. Most people come to the Lord when they're when they're in a tough place. Yeah. And, and while their slumps are um, inevitable in the game of baseball, and there will be points where you know, I saw plenty of times where guys had voids. I saw them searching for something, um, but a, a lot of times it's hard to talk to guys because. They're young. They have success. They have fame. They have they have money. So they don't need anything else. Yeah, and even in that instance, I'm I'm just thinking to myself, coming alongside somebody that you see struggling, who there's a void, there's a need, they're in a lull, they're in a slump. Just putting your arm around them and saying, "Hey, here's how I deal with that. Uh, here's here's what God has taught me along this journey." Have, were you ever able to do? stuff like that or was it just so hard that i mean crossing that line i mean that that changes the dynamic of the relationship i mean even something simple so you uh you look at you look at we, we had chapel every sunday there's a there's a ministry called baseball chapel throughout right. major league and minor league baseball so what does chapel look like basically each team has their own chaplain um, you spend 15, maybe 20 minutes on a Sunday and, uh, and you hear the word for a little bit. You kind talk a about encouraging. it. Yeah. Exactly. Nugget. So it's kind of like our church service, yeah. you know, when you, we, we can't go to church throughout the course of a season. And that's every Sunday. That's every Sunday. And so I've been on various teams where some teams we'd have, we'd have 15 every week in chapel. Some teams we would have three. Wow. So, um, so there were, there were, was a, was a wide variety, but I feel like, even on the teams where there was 15, there would be plenty of guys in there. They're like, hmm, well, maybe if I just go sit in this chapel service for 15 or 20 minutes, I'll get, I'll get, get through this two, two or three hits Yeah, today. they look at it as, as a lucky charm It's an exchange. Than, exactly. Yeah. And, that's, and that's the way that so much of the world uh, views God. You know, mm-hmm. if, I, if I do this and this to please God, then God's going to give me this. He which owes is, me. Which yeah. is obviously not, not the case because... Uh, you know, it, everything. Nothing is is based on works. Everything is based on what Jesus did for us on the cross. But uh, a lot of people don't understand that. So I think things as simple as saying, "Hey, man, you want to come to chapel this week?" It's um, a powerful that, witness, it's, no doubt. It's, it's a simple question, or just um, the way that I would act when I was in a slump. Mm-hmm. You know, and and hopefully, and I, I'm as guilty as any. I mean, there were in the early years of my career. Um, I would throw things around, maybe not in the dugout where TV cameras could see it, but um, I would, you know, break bats. I would, uh, unfortunately, say some say some words that should not have have come out of my mouth, and I I definitely was not a a good witness in those situations. But uh, I think toward the end of my career, I realized more why I was a major league baseball player and uh, the opportunity that I had through it. And so I, I started to clean up some of those things. And I think I became less about 
their performance uh, yeah. and the bottom line and the statistics and the whatever could build me up or make me money or, or mm-hmm. give me glory or fame. And um, I tried to see the big picture and, and why, God me ha- got, why God had me in the position that he had me. Well, you know, and the challenge also, it's, it's, it's in life also, not just in clubhouses and locker rooms. When you live out your faith, people are watching you. Yeah, no and doubt. And so it can work great, you know, if your teammates see the way you react and, and they know who you are. If they're going through something, that's you know, a hard time, you know, they may come to you and say, hey, how would you handle this or, you know, ask for advice. But on the other side, if you do something wrong, I mean, the magnifying glass is completely on you. And people are – there are certain – there are people out there. I worked with one. I just mentioned them that are waiting for you to screw up as a man of faith so that right. they can jump yep. all over you. Big they time. You. And, it, and, and I think a lot of times my faith was probably never in question. But when you're a Christian and they're like, well, he's a Christian and he does this. So that makes it okay for a Christian to do that. So I think as Christians, yeah. we are called to live – above above reproach basically so that uh you know we need to be blameless to yeah to those around us a higher standard that people see the difference yeah christ has made in you and i just thought about a moment ago when you said something as simple as inviting a teammate to chapel and i think for our listeners uh, that are there at home they may be thinking Look, if David Murphy can do that in a major league locker room, invite a guy to chapel, that's his church service. My encouragement for you would be, if you're listening to this and God's put somebody on your heart, you need to invite that person to church or to your uh, Bible study or maybe to uh, a men's group or a women's group or something that your church has put on as a specific uh, vehicle to inviting lost people or inviting those that are far from the Lord uh, to come. I mean, just a great encouragement, even for me this morning, as I think about people on my street that Holly and I are praying for, that, that we want to see come to Presswood and join us for a church service or for an event. If David Murphy can do that in a major league locker room, any of us can do that in the natural you know, patterns and traffic of life where God's put us in relationship. So going back, dial it back a little bit. Tell us about when you first heard the gospel. I know you said you grew up in a pretty strong Catholic home. Uh, your parents uh, raised you around the church and in the Catholic faith. But um, tell our listeners how and where you first heard the gospel and, and trusted Christ as your Savior. You know, um, you mentioned I grew up, I grew up in a Catholic home. Um, I, I would say just outside of religion, I, I grew up in a in a solid family, just uh, a, an all American family. Have a, a brother and two sisters, and um, love everybody in my family dearly. And um, I have I, I look back favorably on my childhood and and loved so much of of growing up. You know, I, I don't have any complaints. I feel like I was extremely blessed. Amen. Um, I was in church. I was the youngest of four, and uh, my brother's 13 years older than me. My sisters are, are nine and seven years older, respectively. And um, and so I, I think my mom, she, she grew up, she went to Catholic school, and I, I think she didn't see what she wanted to. And, and I, I think she felt um, she didn't do her job uh, as a mom for – um, for my siblings, so she's like, I'm I'm gonna get it right with, when it came to me. So I was the one. This that, is my chance. I, I was frequently. Um, I was in church. You know, I think baseball kept me away from church. Where I mean, I did get my first communion, but I was never. I never went through confirmation or or any of that type of stuff. But um, 
I, I remember her trying to read the Bible to me at, you know, maybe on Good Friday or, um, you know, I think the story that I remember most, if, if we're talking about my mom reading the Bible to me as a kid, was the story of the Good Samaritan. Hmm. Um, so I, I do have, have memories about that, but I think growing up in, in the environment that I grew up in, I was never really told uh, about Jesus and what he did for me. So I, um, I get the scholarship to go to Baylor University. Yeah, and uh, which Baylor was not my first choice by any means. They gave me the best scholarship offer. Yeah, so I was like, man, they must really want me. I think I'm gonna have a good opportunity. I like the coaching staff, but I think my heart would rather go to A&M or Texas. Um, and those those two, I got recruited by some other schools, but those were kind of the two that that I really wanted to go to, but just didn't feel like it was the best opportunity for me. And I, I always tell people that was that was God watching over me even before I really knew or cared for him. Amen. So this was all part of his plan. So He's sovereign. We talked about that earlier. De- Isaiah 46. Uh-huh. And so, uh, He's ordering your steps. So the first night that I arrive at school, I, I see this beautiful girl. And um, a few weeks later, um, her and some of her friends are, are looking for another guy at our apartment complex. And they show up at our door. And I see her again. And so this kind of just by happenstance, it happens to be the group of girls that we end up hanging out with for a little yeah. while. And Remember, so, that's not happenstance. That's God <laughs> exactly, again, Mark. Exactly. That's God again. And then, uh, and so I got to know her a little bit more, and, uh, and we started dating. And uh, I guess to, to make a long story short, this girl ended up being my wife. <laughs> so you saw Andrea on the very first day you were in Waco I remember. I don't think she remembers seeing me. I remember <laughs> seeing her. <laughs> But uh, so we we started dating uh, very soon. It was uh, September 29th was our first date, and I want to say school started August 21st. So it didn't take long for us to to start dating. And um, even before we started dating, I knew there was something different about her. Um, and then, and are you a freshman or you didn't have like freshmen, a Juco yeah, or anything? Is, I mean, you're like 18. Exactly. You're like right out of high school campus. 18 okay. years old. Okay. Gotcha. And so she looks me dead in the eye on our first date and she says, can I ask you a question? are you a Christian? And I was just like, well, I was just like, I, I go to church. Um, generally I'm a good person. So yeah, I, I consider myself a Christian and there, there wasn't really more discussion there, but, um, I just think, uh, and my Andrea is somebody who is, is shy by nature, but I think it was so important to her to, I mean, she's just not going to go date anybody to date anybody. You know, right. she's going to date anybody. She's going to do it with intention of, you know, this might be somebody that I might marry someday. Yeah, and, yeah. And obviously she didn't want to spend her life with somebody who did not know the Lord. And so. Good for her. So that was my answer. Um, and just in, in dating her, spending time with her and, and just being on the campus at Baylor University where there's a, uh, a lot of Christian kids, um, the Lord just began to to weigh on my heart a little bit and, and tug mm-hmm. at my heartstrings, and so she invited me to a Monday night praise and worship service. It was the Monday before uh, school let out for Thanksgiving vacation, and um, so y'all that, are dating, hanging out. Exactly. She's asked you this question, this whole big like, "Am I a Christian?" things hanging out there, and you're like, "I'm a good person." Exactly. Yeah, I go to church. I had the exact same question when I was a sophomore in high school. It's so funny, and I don't. We haven't even talked about uh-huh. this. We're sitting here on air on this podcast, and yeah, said, "Are you a Christian?" And I didn't know as a sophomore in high school. I'm in a pretty good family, like you. Right. 
parents take me to church, but I'm like, well, I, I go to church and exactly. So go ahead. And so, um, and yeah, so that was just really when everything kind of came to a head and I was just like, man, I I really have a void in my heart that needs to be filled and that there's, there's something that everybody around me has that, that I don't have. Mm. And so, um, Andrew could tell that that something that there was some turmoil going on inside of me. So we're going to go get coffee right after this and right next door to the coffee place where we had to park. It's a a pizza hut. So we're sitting in a pizza hut parking lot and uh, we're talking. Waco, Texas. And that was uh, that was the night that she prayed with me and that I accepted Christ as as my Lord and Savior. Woo! What a great story, man. Great story. That is. That's awesome. And that guy from this little small, as a sophomore in high school, that was leading our little sixth grade, well, it was a disciple now. Okay. A lot of Baptist churches used to do for me. It was uh, spring of 1988. He asked me if I was a Christian, Frito, and I didn't know. And I thought, you know, we're from Texas. We're Texans. We live in America. We're Americans. I go to church. Surely I'm a Christian. And man, that guy began to explain the gospel to me. And before I knew it, I mean, there were tears running down my face. I knew I had sin in my life, just like you said, David. And I was missing something that... These other people had, and I trusted Christ right there, upstairs of the Davis house at Disciple Now, February 1988, and life's never been the same. So, you know, I like hearing the story, because you weren't at the rock bottom. You didn't have a huge crisis or anything like that. And, you know, you hear, you yeah. hear all sorts of testimonies where, you know, I was, I was hooked on drugs, and I was at the yeah. rock bottom, and I needed something. But I've, yeah. told, I've told this story several times on, the, on this show, is that Sherry, my wife, you know, would ask me, you know, are you convinced that you're going to go to heaven? Are you sure that you can go to heaven if you die? Mm-hmm. And my answer was always, you know, I'm a good person and he knows. And so I just, <laughs> he knows, he knows who I am. Um, <laughs> but do you know who he is? <laughs> exactly. That was the question. <laughs> exactly. This Jesus, it's funny. I'm sitting right here looking at some of these scriptures that you're memorizing and it's turned to John 14:6, where Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life and that no one comes to the Father but through me. And so for each one of us, man, our individual journeys have been unique and at different times and at different stages, but it's Jesus alone that is that way, truth, and the life. Okay, sports. And yes. Usually David's the one that takes us to sports, but I'm going <laughs> to do it here. We've already talked about your home run on the day you got baptized. Mm-hmm. Okay, now, like I have memories of – things I did in my childhood sporting career. Like when I was nine years old, I wanted to pitch hit and run for the city of Richards and stuff like that. Okay. But you're a major league ball player. You've got to have all sorts of, you've accomplished all sorts of, of, of things. Do you have specific memories other than that home run? Oh, I have, uh, I have a pretty good memory as it is. And so, um, I, I have, I have plenty of great memories uh, of, of moments. I would say uh, I could give you my, my two, if, if you would ask me my best game, um, I would say that the two best games of my career were one, it was uh, August 2010 when I was part of the Rangers. We were playing the Yankees. Um, I think you know, sometime in the middle of the game, I was playing left field. I get a base hit hit to me, and uh, I, throw, I throw Nick Swisher out at home plate. And then um, we're down, I want to say, I don't even remember the exact score. We're down by one and um, facing A.J. Burnett. And I hit a two-run homer to to go up by one. That's probably in the the sixth inning or so. Alex Alex Rodriguez hits a a home run in the the top of the eighth inning to, to tie up the game. 
And then I come up uh, facing Mariano Rivera in uh, the bottom of the or bottom of the tenth, I want to say it was, and uh, hit, hit a walk off single off of a guy who will probably know, be known as the best closer um, of all time. Of all time, uh, I don't I don't know how man. quickly somebody's going to come around that's going to unseat him uh, for that title. And then um, another one was uh, toward the end of my career, and I'm playing for the Angels. We're playing uh, Baltimore. And I got to the point in my career where I'd been trying to hit my 100th home run for a while. And so my first at-bat, I come up, and I'm hitting fifth. Mike Trout's hitting third, and Albert Pujols is hitting fourth. Mike Trout, if he stays healthy and if he keeps up close to his level of production, we all know that he's going to be a Hall of Famer someday. Albert Pujols hit his 600th home run last weekend. He's definitely going to be a Hall of Famer someday. Those two guys strike out with runners on second, first and second. And uh, so it comes up to me. I quickly go down 0-2. So I end up hitting my 100th home run to give us an early lead. The game goes back and forth a little bit. Uh, They end up tying it up. And then I don't even remember if it's an extra innings or if it's bottom nine, but I had a walk-off single to end the game. And um, just 100th home run, you know, being being in the same lineup, just that with those place two in the guys. lineups, yeah, um, and just uh, and obviously hit, hitting a walk offs are about as good as it gets in the game of baseball. The way it energizes your team and just at the end of the day, winning the game, celebrating on the field, um, those are those are always memorable moments. Um, so those are I have more, but those are definitely uh, the, the top two that would stick out personally. Okay, if you could do one or the other, hit a home run, uh-huh. just just a home run. Or gun someone down at home plate. Hit a home run. I I love throwing people out, but there's just something about hitting. And it's maybe I had a chance to hit a little over 100 home runs in my career, so um, wasn't the fewest of any major league player, but by far is not the most. (laughs) And um, definitely not the fewest. You know, there's just something about hitting a home run that is just it's so cool. You can't explain it. just having, the sweet having, spot, having the ball that ideal, the bat. ideal contact, and for the most part, you know the second the ball leaves the bat, if it's going to go out of the park, and just getting to jog around the bases, it's uh, it's it's what you as a kid growing up, you love seeing home runs on Sports Center, and uh, and so yep. I got I got to to do what I just dreamed of doing as a kid. So great. That so is. Great. Okay, now here's one that just to clarify something I've always thought. Because I always used to get into arguments with talk show hosts when they talk about free agency and there's no state income tax in Texas and how what a great advantage that would be. The first game I went to, and you played in Anaheim. You played for the Angels, as you mentioned. The first game I went to in Anaheim, it was in August. And the temperature in Dallas at the time was like 104. And first pitch in Anaheim that night was 72. And I thought to myself – I would trade a state income, <laughs> the state income every day of the week for game time temperature to be 72 as opposed to 104. How bad is the heat? The heat is not that bad for me because I was born and raised in Texas. A lot of guys don't like it, and a lot of guys hate it when they come in, especially opposing pitchers with a lot of the formidable offenses that we had over the years. They no, don't want to come in and crush. face. They didn't want to come in and face our lineup, and they didn't want to pitch in the heat, which was going to be that much more of a challenge. So. I don't think that's a good question to ask me. Um, I think where I laugh at what you just mentioned is 
you always hear it. I, I remember hearing it over one off season when John Lester was a free agent and when Zach Grinky was a free agent, and they're talking about these guys getting one hundred and fifty, two hundred million dollars. If I'm getting that much money, I could care less how much tax is taken <laughs> <Exactly>. out. <laughs> you don't have to nickel and dime that tax money because if you can't if you can't make a way to make that much money work, you're going to be you're living too too crazy of a lifestyle as it is. So, as we're talking about baseball, I think myself, along with many of our, our listeners, David, would love to hear just maybe your favorite World Series moment. I mean, we as the Rangers faithful, the Rangers nation had some really close calls. Uh, I guess not so much in, in 10 because the Giants pretty much kind of took care of business in that one. But we had the Cardinals right there um, for the taking, if not for a few little things that could be debated, which we'll leave that for later. But uh, just, I don't know what you're talking about. I've, I've forgotten about all that. <laughs> yeah, thank you. I, I'm glad you were able to do that, Mark. Uh, but I don't think Dr. Graham has been able to. Uh, but tell us your favorite World Series moment, Dave. I mean, my I, I would say my favorite World Series moment is still a painful one in the end. Um, it's, it's Game 6 uh, in 2011 against the Cardinals. Um, I know that we didn't end up winning, and I know that there were huge turning points in that game that, um, yeah, you know, where where we could have had the series, and we didn't end up getting it done. But I think at the at the end of the day, I feel like I know the game well enough to understand a good game when I see it or I'm part of it. Mm-hmm. And with all due respect to the history of the game, that has to be one of the greatest baseball games in baseball history, and I'm wow. honored, honored to have been a part of it. So um, to see. You know, to 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 be one pitch away and to be standing in left field and to be thinking in my head, all right, how am I going to celebrate if this ball comes? I mean, to you me? literally it, had those I thoughts. Did, like, I didn't. I didn't question. Do you see the goosebumps? I, <laughs> no. I, I didn't question whether we were going to win or not. It's like I, how am I, I celebrating? Knew, and I you're, knew we were going to win. In your mind, you're thinking celebration scenarios. Exactly. And then I see oh I God. see the ball off of of Freeze's bat, and I see runners circling the bases, and I'm like, what What just happened? And then we go in the dugout. And oh. and Josh Hamilton's got a blown groin, and yet he hits a ball, you know, a mile off Jason Mott, and gives us the lead again. And then just they, you know, they tie it up mm. all over again. And then I'm overstanding in right field when I see the ball off of David Freeze's bat again, and this one sails over the fence in center field, and the stadium's going crazy, and they're oh. all celebrating at home plate. So, but but at the same time, <laughs> it you, feels like we need to have a moment of silence, it does, Frito. It really does. I mean, it's like we're at a funeral. I was at those games, and it's worse right now than it was then. <laughs> Man, it's uh, I have so much. I guess if you if you look at that time i was so exhausted uh when the world series ended i was disappointed but i was exhausted i was just oh, like, emotionally i need some, I need I some time imagine, to, to process and recover this yeah to recover from this and then you know even a year after i'm like we we still have a good team you know we're gonna we, we went last year we went this year we're gonna go next year and we'll we'll just go win it next year right and then it's kind of like uh when clint hurdle was our hitting coach in 2010 he talked about being in the World Series his his rookie year, and I want to say they lost. And I think he kind of had similar thoughts. He's like, "Oh man, this was easy. We'll just get back, you know, whenever." Never and happened. Never again. happened again. And so I wow. didn't. I didn't play. You know, I played another four years after that season, and 
Um, it never, never happened again. And I think the further I get away from it and ev- whenever I see highlights of it, I feel like on like New Year's or uh, New Year's Eve, they always play the World Series, um, the World Series DVD from past years so they'll just they'll start whenever they start and they'll go they'll go year by year they'll go eight nine ten eleven so i'll catch it and i'll turn it on and i'll get a little bit sick to my stomach when i see the highlights but um i can't imagine i mean at the same time kind of what we've talked about um if you if you know who your lord and savior is and, and you know what the most important thing in life is baseball is just a blip on the radar and as much fun as it would have been, um, what if we would have won? I mean, what? How does that uh, yeah, yeah. change? Yeah, I, I don't. I don't think that would change a, a whole lot in my life. I mean, it might get me more attention to to share the gospel for people. Just being a World Series champion versus being an American League champion, but yeah, I really don't know that it would be by that much because you don't I, think there's like a special place in heaven for world series champions? no i don't <laughs> you don't think it's divided but, up that way yeah, I, don't, I don't but you know it's crazy just sitting here listening to him say that i think 90 plus percent of fans would say how could he say how would it change how could he that even come out of his mouth because they're thinking like i'm thinking it changes everything but in reality it doesn't change day, a whole lot do you know, know what i mean do, you, do y'all feel what i'm saying at the end of the day it might have made life on earth a little bit more enjoyable here and there yeah but then but just the pride I, aspect I, 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 think it, I think it's so easy for us to forget even in our greatest moments on earth how it's going to be nothing compared to what we are promised in amen day. amen what a great statement i don't think we can talk about it anymore i'm gonna have a sports cry right here <laughs> Unbelievable. Well, David, thank you so much for coming and spending some time with us this morning.